Support for this podcast comes from Wreckfest. In the summer of 2016, as the eyes of the world turn to Rio de Janeiro, Wreckfest brings its own style of street carnival to the recruitment industry, taking over Borough Market in London. Now in its third year, Wreckfest is a one-day celebration of all things in-house recruitment and resourcing, with an emphasis on the power of sharing. Wreckfest creates one of the largest conversations of in-house recruitment professionals in the world. To get a discount on your ticket, head to www.thisisreckfest.com and use the code PODCAST16. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 43 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Digital transformation is a key issue all businesses will need to address in the next few years. And it's something I feel we should be discussing much more as HR and recruitment professionals. My guest this week is Douglas Sherlaw. Douglas is Chief Digital Officer for the Convention of Scottish Local Authorities, or COSLA, as it's better known. He has years of frontline digital transformation experience, and he's leading COSLA's initiative to digitise public sector recruitment in Scotland. COSLA's job platform, My Job Scotland, is hugely successful and continues to develop in line with ever-changing technologies and ever-changing user expectations. Hi Dougie, welcome to the podcast. Hi. So we're here this morning on a wet grey Monday morning in the west end of Edinburgh. Um, If that building wasn't in the way I think I could probably just about see Murrayfield from here. Um, And we're in Costler's offices. Could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do and what Costler do? Yeah, um, my name is Douglas Sherlock. Um, I'm Chief Digital Officer here at COSLA. COSLA are the, the full title is the Convention of Scottish Local Authorities. Um, we represent 28 out of the 32 Scottish local authorities. Um, and predominantly the, the organisation itself is um, a political lobbying organisation. Um, however, luckily, my job title means that I don't really have to get involved with the politics of of, of the country um, and what I do is I work within uh, the digital team here um, making sure that the transformation exercises that we've sought to undertake over the last four or five years um, are kind of uh, continued and modified and um, improved. So tell us about your role um, more specifically. I kind of fell into the role. Um, the organisation I worked for previously um, had built this website um, or had um, written the specification and actually had built the website before it was handed over to COSLA. Um, we wanted to create a recruitment brand. Um, I think we wanted something that was seen by councils um, across the land as somewhere you could just find a job. Um, and really that's what we've been doing since July 2008 and that's really been the biggest part of my job since then. Um, within the first six years of operation, so from 2008 up until 2014, um, we had 1.6 million accounts on the system. Now, 
if you consider 1.6 million counts, that's an awful lot of people. And obviously, if you then look at the kind of population of Scotland, the working population of Scotland is in region of 3 million. So to have nearly half of the population um, registered on the website is quite an achievement. The site itself was put in place to save money, and predominantly that's £16 million. The amount is spent on the site um, is a fraction of that, um, but it has brought so much more um, to the transformation um, within councils, not only within departments, but um, how candidates interact with councils as well. Um, we've had we've had over 182,000 positions advertised on the site, um, and we in, in the first six years of operation we had 3.1 million applications as well. So that's around 14 completed applications for every job posted. Now some jobs they try 350 applications, some only try five. So you can see 14 is a kind of decent size when you consider the, the amount of different jobs that we have, from cleaners to zookeepers to chief execs <laughs> to um, admin assistants. It's a very broad range of uh, jobs that we, we support. That must have been a, um, a really complex and difficult kind of undertaking. What, what were the sort of main barriers you came up against when you were, when you were sort of creating the platform? Well, so just... Um, before I started at Cosla, I was working as a consultant. Um, I'd previously worked maybe seven, eight years in digital agencies up until that point. Um, so I was asked to, to join a, a small company to, to create a specification for this brand new recruitment uh, portal. Uh, I hate the word, word portal, but um, let's face it, um, um, that's probably the best way to describe it. Initially, there was a conflict of, well, what are we actually trying to build here? Are we trying to build something that where all our job adverts just appear? So are we just going to replicate what the papers do at the moment? And I think, first of all, replicating what the papers do, obviously the papers in a kind of continual shift away from um, the traditional format of newspapers um, to a, a more digital approach as well. Um, newspapers' circulation certainly have been um, falling, certainly for the last 10 years, and they continue to fall. Um, and I think th the main thing was to build something that would garner enough traffic that when people came onto it, they were able to find what they were looking for. Um, so with 32 local authorities putting their um, jobs on one site, you create that traffic, you create that audience, and at the same time, you um, are improving um, the ability for that audience to to find jobs either within their area or uh, neighbouring area. And how does that? Because all of this is obviously an ongoing, an ongoing journey. And in terms of how you're talking about digital transformation, it's not not a, a project; it's a continuing continuing process. So how are things continuing to to develop and, and transform as, uh, you know, mobile, social um, and other forces are sort of changing the internet, the sort of the foundations on which um, the platform is built? It's interesting that you say it's a journey. Um, it'll continue to be a journey. It, it will never stop. It's never going to 
I'm never going to look at a plan and say, right, in the next 18 months, I want to do this um, and seek out to do that. Because I think within within the next six months, there'll be new technology that comes um, around that we need to look at and we need to look at incorporating into into our service. But I think, um, you know, it, it originally used to be mobile first. I think it's now going to go to customer experience first. Um, you know, I think only once we get to that customer experience part of it um, can we actually say, right, we have created some meaningful transformation in this. Um, and that will continue throughout the whole life cycle of this project. Um, so for the next wee while, okay, let me think about the next six months, I think we need to look at um, the way people interact with us. Um, we have found certainly in the last 30 days that we are now hitting that tipping point where the amount of users to our website are are now approaching the um, mobile tablet um, divide rather than the previous desktop. So I think we're kind of 0.5%, percent yeah, into that 50.5. Oh, interesting. Uh, into yeah. the mobile part of it. So, yeah. so yes, that is going to be key. Um, but we can't take an eye off the other bits of technology that we have out there. And as I said, there are disruptors out there. Um, there is um, more and more cloud services out there. People are uploading CVs to their cloud services and using that as a way to apply for jobs. And I've not yet seen one which will um, fit our needs. Um, our needs are very... Um, very different from um, you know, large private sector organisations where um, all you need uh, is a CV and a cover letter and um, we ask specific questions um, so I don't think our um, formatting um, of um, our application process is going to change very much. Uh, we ask specific questions um, that relate directly to the job um, which require to be answered. So until either a we we try and tell councils that okay maybe we should look at the CV um, apply um, option, or there are other ways to to hold information together um, that can be used easier uh, within the application process. I think one of the things we sought to achieve from the project from the very start um, was the ability to apply for a job in a council and thereafter any future applications that you made, um, the majority of the information, 80-90% of the information was already stored against your account. So you weren't having to fill in the same information over and over again, you were only changing the responses to questions, for example, that have been asked for the particular job. So, if you tie all that up, um, where do we go next? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't think we'll be using WhatsApp. I don't think we'll be using Snapchat. I don't think we'll be using Instagram, um, you know, to sell our jobs. I think it's going to be more a blend of um, better formatting of, or better copywriting within within job adverts um, and I think that's something that we need to do as a 
as a, as a sector, um, sector-wide. And the application process itself is quite, um, it's quite a stilted one from our perspective um, at the moment. Generally, our applications are in four stages, um, your personal information, your qualifications and your history, the application questions and your diversity form. So these are four distinct sections. Um, and I think the ATS that we use is very much based on compartmentalising your application processes. What I've seen um, in the new ATS system is um, a one-stage application process. So rather than having four different screens to, to, to go through, you have one screen. Um, all the information is within there. Um, and I think from a mobile perspective and a tablet perspective, that's going to be um, very important. Um, we'll still have the save and continue option, which is extremely important. I've made sure that the ATS provider um, have that in place before we can use it, because there's an awful lot of information in there that could potentially be um, be lost if you if there's no save and resume function. Um, I think it's interesting because I think you highlight a lot of issues there that I think are quite systemic in recruitment as a whole. The, the, the users um, are mobile, the users want um, you know, a fantastic experience and you know, it's not really even just the recruitment software that's not catching up with that. It's actually recruitment in terms mm. of um, you know, the information that's demanded and, and all that sort of stuff. And there are obviously very valid reasons for that and it's not something that's going to change overnight but I think it's something that... Um, Lots of organisations are going to be struggling with for, for quite some time to come in terms of, you know, providing the best possible user experience um, when, when you know, when there's that 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 kind of contradiction um, mm. actually sort of embedded within within recruitment. Um, in terms of sort of digital transformation. Um, lots of organisations of all kinds um, are now having to um, are now having to, to do this. Whether um, it's a government or public sector addressing the needs of their um, of their users, um, or a, a private corporations who are um, you know long established private corporations who are being disrupted, um, you know by. Um, by startups in the market so you know looking out the window we're in Edinburgh you can see you know countless financial institutions that have been here for um, sometimes hundreds of years who are who are being disrupted by um, uh, you know by new and innovative startups all the time so digital transformation is something that's on everyone's agenda um, what what role do you think um, HR and recruitment need to sort of play in that um, in, 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 in sort of wider organisations? Well, I think um, in terms of HR, HR is, is one department within an organisation. I think with any um, digital transformation process, you need to look at the company as a whole, um, what its vision is, um, and make it a more modern um, humanised version of what it um, needs to be. Um, and you can only do that by by looking at who your customers are and how your customers are are accessing um, your business's um, products and services. So in terms of where HR come into it, I think HR need to work with you know the powers that be, if you like, um, to kind of look at changing the culture within the organisation. 
um, any kind of transformation or um, can only happen once the whole business is has been reformed into um, you know something that cultivates innovation. Um, for example, uh, I talked about being born digital. Um, people who um, within the 18 to 25 um, age group, they will probably be at the, the bottom end of um, um, the workforce, if you like. But they know a lot about using digital. They've used it for many, many years. Whereas the people at the top end hear the word digital and they think about numbers, ones and zeros, um, don't really know what it is. So there needs to be an education um, um, happening within organisations and maybe HR can play a part within bringing all the departments together and, and you know, finding, finding these change agents that will deliver this transformation throughout the organisation um, because we can't operate in silos. Digital cannot work across silos. So we talked about what digital trans- what digital transformation is, the digital transformation that uh, you've been involved in, um, how uh, HR can play its part in it, but it's really something for the for the whole organisation. Um, what are the benefits of digital transformation? Okay, I think um, we, we we touched a little bit upon the ability to kind of re-envisage um, what the company vision actually is. Um, so that's obviously one thing. Um, the ability to look within your organisation to look at these born digital natives, or digital natives, in fact, um, and look at how they see themselves interacting with the business that they currently work for. So it's a creation of um, a culture um, of innovation. Um, the improved customer journey, um, I think you need to have a look at that because every step of the journey where you can create um, better conversion and outcomes is is, is, is very important. Um, but on the back of that, there is a big um, journey mapping process that needs to be undertaken. And that is something is which is huge. It's, yes, you can start that journey mapping process, but you may find through, through doing that, that there's other elements of um, products and services that you've not actually, you know, even kind of, looked further into um, so there's opportunities there by doing that um, I think it obviously gives you a better competitive advantage um, over over um, um, competitors um, and then if you have an organisation where you have collaboration across um, the organisation you have a much better workforce um, and I think giving people um, the ability to suggest ideas as to how to develop the business um, throughout the business is a great way of um, engaging with not only your customers, but also your workforce. And just through being able to empower those employees through education, um, I think you know you will get the um, the executives at the top um, who don't know much about it. Um, you get the people at the bottom who know quite a bit about it. So it's really about sharing that information. Um, and I think you know sharing any type of information is great. Um, yeah, knowledge is power and all that. But um, I think you need to, to to you know to look at the whole organisation and how um, you can benefit from uh, the power of your your employees. 
I think with making decisions as well, if you can make decisions easier based on the realities of of the customer journey and the customer journey mapping, I think that makes the efficiencies within departments even better as well. Um, and obviously through any kind of digital transformation, there's an awful lot of data that comes out of that. And I think being able to understand where the data is, how the data is currently being used, and is there other data sets that can be used to to improve services through that. And again, I think if you if you create that better customer experience, um, you're going to um, um, get a better uh, conversion and also hopefully improve the customer loyalty at the end of the day. And I suppose the big question to, to kind of finish off with is, how do you do this? How, how, how should an organisation go about doing this, whether it's the, the whole organisation or, or, or even someone um, you know, within HR and recruitment trying to, to do a kind of a mini digital transformation? Um, you know, what, what, are, what, are the, what are the elements of actually um, going, going forward and doing this? Okay, well, <clears throat> I spoke about earlier uh, about Brian Solis and the work he, he does um, with his Altimeter um, organisation in, in San Francisco. There's three elements that he um, and his colleagues have come up with, and really they are vision and leadership, uh, the digital customer experience, and the digital transformation team. So the vision and leadership, um, you have um, the customer experience and the business value. Um, You need to convene these two elements together to deliver the mutual benefits to the organization. And that's something that leadership can understand. Um, but as I said, leadership may not necessarily have those skills, so it's up to the change agents um, to partner with executives to make the understanding of that um, transformation. Um, it's obviously important to have that executive support, um, and it's up to the strate- strategists um, within the organisation and those change agents um, to create um, a case and obviously make the urgency to gain support for the, uh, the transformation. And obviously you have the, um, the updated vision in the organisation, um, which helps customers and employees. So I think that's kind of the first part, um, vision and leadership. Um, the second part is the digital customer experience. Um, I put um, down here, it's about their way. Now when I say their way, it's about the customers, how do customers involve um, themselves with the brand. Um, so you have your disruptive technologies that I said earlier on, that people are using every day of their life. You have to um, take that into account um, and look at where they're going and how they're being used. Um, but I think the customer experience focus um, is as I said, it goes beyond social. Um, it's down to the journey um, and the mapping. Um, the internal collaboration is about that mapping process and getting different departments to work with each other um, to, to look at um, their areas. So getting your marketing department working with the HR. Typically, they would never work together, but there are instances in this process where it would benefit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I said, the innovation part of it um, uh, can lead to unplanned products and services by looking at that, and it will reflect those new technologies as well. So, 
Um, and again, it's, it's about having that digital first mindset. Uh, the born digital people are the ones to get involved in that. So they can become your internal customers. Um, and again, your customer experience has to include your customers. You have to speak to your customers, whether, it, whether it's through focus groups, whether it's feedback um, on your website or asking for feedback at the end of a process. Um, it's something that we do. Um, and it's something um, that we'll continue to do because I think you know we get a lot of feedback from candidates saying, actually, your process is rubbish. Yeah, it is rubbish, but it's because of our ATS. Uh, it's nothing to do with us. We're actually doing something even better. Um, but you just can't see that. Um, if you were to look at the, the vanilla um, ATS that you saw, you would think it's terrible. But there's big organisations out there using the terrible um, part of it. But we spent a lot of time trying to make that much better for, for customers. So that's that customer experience. Then you've got your digital transformation team. Um, the transformation team itself, um, you need to have cross-functional groups, so that centre of excellence, if you like. Um, you obviously need to look at their organisational structure. Um, it's not common to have digital experts all over the organisation, but they do exist, so educating those key stakeholders is, is very important. And also, very important is um, to have IT um, on, your, on your side as well. Um, IT departments in the past um, have been largely difficult to deal with, whether it may be down to security or probably more so a lack of education. Um, people in IT know how systems work, people in digital know how, how everything kind of gels together, so it's very important that you have that, that partnership together. So management, communication, education is very important in, when you're setting up that digital transformation team and finally what what are your sort of predictions for the future Where, where's where's all this going um you know we've seen the the rise of mobile the rise of social we're kind of on this uh on this journey in terms of customer experience what you know what do you expect to see over the next uh, 12 to, to 18 months in terms of how this is all developing i think there's a lot of things that we can we can look towards and try and predict where things are going. Um, I think the something that we're trying to certainly look at is essentially creating profiles. Uh, I, before I started this job, nearly, well, nearly 10 years ago now, I kind of foresaw the My Job Scotland brand being some site where you could have your profile and your profile essentially is all your information, your, your CV information. Now I know LinkedIn does that, I know we've tried to do that, um, but I think the profile is something that could essentially be used um, like a digital locker. So it's probably like a combination of the profile and login details. So in the public sector at the moment there's something called My Account. Um, it's currently being used by Edinburgh Council. Um, so to use or interact with their services, you need to have an account. Now that account is actually linked to your your resident account effectively, so your customer account with, within the council, so that accounts for council tax. Um, it helps identify who you are, where you live, 
even your age. Um, there's a lot of things going on within there, and I think that's something over the next 12 months that we'll try and not um, replicate, but certainly use uh, going forward. So if people are interacting with their councils more and more, um, they don't need to set up an you know, account with us. They could use this My Account to log in. Um, and again, I think where we're going is the privacy is becoming less and less of an issue. I think people understand what privacy is all about now. I think people need to understand more clearly how information is going to be used, and yet that's what, why privacy policies exist. But I think people are more likely to share information if they can see a benefit from sharing that information. Uh, so as long as they know what it's going to be used for, um, and it's going to be used in, in a way that is going to be easier for them to interact with any kind of council service. Well, I think that's that's a kind of win-win. Absolutely. Dougie, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you very much. My thanks to Dougie Sherlaw. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher to listen to past episodes, get email updates, and find out more about me, go to www.rfpodcast. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.